The Touchdown City Show is presented by Salango Law, where you don't get excuses, you get results. Visit them online at salangolaw.com. to you from the Stone Church Studio in St. Albans, West Virginia. Here's your host, Anthony Lewis, along with Avon Coborn and Derek Bailey. This is the Touchdown City Show. Welcome into the Touchdown City Show. I'm Anthony Lewis in the Stone Church Studio today with Derek Bailey, Michael Sussman, the newsman, and the GOAT, Avon Coburn. Gentlemen, West Virginia goes into Blacksburg, Blacksburg, and uh, pulls a 33-10 victory in West Virginia's largest ever victory in Blacksburg. It's the largest. Yeah, that was that was impressive. I mean, I thought they was going to beat them by more, to be honest with you. Because um, I, I, that quarterback, man, that quarterback, he played pretty good the first half. But, yeah, that was that was the biggest victory we ever had in, in uh, West Virginia history in Blacksburg. That was actually – it was impressive. I was just glad they got in our Sandman. That's about the only thing I had to cheer for. <laughs> yeah, that was that was sweet too. Yeah, in their defense, that's fantastic. But that was a great win for WVU. That's probably the best, in my opinion, in Neil Brown's era. That's a great win. I think so too. So West Virginia is sitting at two and two in September, and um, of course, the Black Diamond Trophy will stay in Morgantown. Even in the '80s, West Virginia Lane Stadium is historically a tough place to play, and even the '80s, when the '88 team only won twenty-four to ten down there. And that's right before and right around the time Beamer had just started getting it going. And then, of course, in the 90s, um, Beamer owned West Virginia for a long time. It's like that program. I, there's something wrong. I mean, since he's retired, and I don't know if they're ever going to recover. I mean, they, they're they going to have to hit on one of these coaches. And I'm not going to – I know it's in his first year. They did not look like a well-coached <laughs> football team on Thursday night. They had about 37 penalties, and nine of them resulted in West Virginia first down. But I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, I'm like, I'll say it right now. I think they're going to go in 2024. I think they'll fire this coach and hire Beamer's son. Well, you know, they historically have recruited well out of, like, Norfolk and the Virginia Beach area, and I'd love to see what their what roster in, looks like now. Wasn't the Vic brothers, weren't they from Newport yeah, they're News? From yeah. Newport yeah, News, that, that used area. To be, that used to be a really populated area. I, I wonder how it looks now. I mean, you know, the population's going south. Well, I mean, that that's used to be their recruiting base. And, yep. you know, and let's just call it what it is. The move from the Big East to the ACC for those teams have not been good moves for Virginia Tech, Boston College, Pitt, Syracuse, Miami. Those teams have really not seen much success Cause, since you know, they you got broke Clemson, it up. You got Clemson, uh, Virginia, who's already been in there. They're they're competing against those players. I mean, you would think you think it wouldn't make a big of a difference because those kids are staying in in you know basically the same geographical area. But they're competing against Florida State. They're competing against. Well, I guess they're not competing against Florida State. They Florida State's competing against you do, know the, the big names. Do you think the move of Maryland to the Big Ten's hurt that conference as well? Because I've noticed that. Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State, they're having a lot of success getting recruits out of Maryland now, where those teams probably recruited Maryland better than than previous years. Like, with Maryland moving, hmm. I mean, the number one player in, in Maryland, it feels like, has gone to Ohio State like 10 years in a row now. Well, 
I just know that that has not been a good move for the Big Ten or the for the former Big East teams. Yeah. I think Virginia Tech has literally been the team that has fared the best right. out of all those teams. Boston College might be – they're one of the worst Power Five teams going right now. <laughs> no, they they were beaten – I turned it on last night. Florida State scored like on the first play from scrimmage. They were down like 44 to nothing before before Boston College scored. Boston College is – Bad. I mean, they are really bad. Well, they deserve it. Yes. So it's September's over. West Virginia's sitting at two and two. And later in the show, we're going to hear from WVU great KJ Harris. Michael Sussman will have his report from the press room. All right, back to Thursday night. West Virginia thirty-three, Virginia Tech ten. And first of all, you know they make a big deal of this Inner Sandman. What'd you guys think of the production of Inner Sandman? Absolute insanity. I was down there at the field level, and just to hear 65,000 people losing their minds all at the same time was really something to behold. And there was some West Virginia support in the house, but make no mistake, it was just a sea of orange. Um, one of the best traditions in college football without question, and and just a remarkable experience. I've, I've never experienced anything like it. Does anybody know when he started that? I, I don't. No, I don't. I, I don't I remember them doing insane, it in 2000, though. but I do feel like they did it in 02. When we they definitely there. did it in 02. I know they did it in 04 because I was outside of the locker room. They've been it. doing it for quite a while. I, I think they've been doing it before 02. I mean, I, I I got a buddy of mine that went there, so I, I'll call him and see when they started it. But it was insane. Like it, it I mean, you just That's, seen everybody like. It was awesome. That's was top awesome to five. Watch. That's top five, in my opinion, in college football. Country Roads is way up there. It's top five. Jump around at Wisconsin, in my opinion. That's my favorite one. <laughs> that one was dope. Yeah. As far as entrances, though, that's a that's the best entrance, probably. Yeah, I would have to agree. But I prefer their exit. Oh, they exited early. Yeah. <laughs> and quickly. So, all right. So Wes, let's get to the game. Uh, first and foremost, I thought West Virginia dominated Virginia Tech and did exactly what they should have done, just like they did against. House and although it was a bigger deficit, uh, a bigger victory than what I projected because I still didn't know really what to expect from West Virginia, but they dominated just like they did the, the week before against Towson. So that's that's a good sign for the Mountaineers. Yeah, I knew for sure that they were going to play well. I, I I knew just looking at Virginia Tech play and who they played and who they beat. I just there's a different caliber of talent that we have in, in as a, as opposed to them. So I knew we were going. I knew it was going to. It wasn't going to be as close as. I mean, I think I said it was going to be 38, 24, something I think like that's that. What you, yeah. But I, I knew it was going to be a, a lot bigger than that. The uh, the games are always won in the trenches. Virginia Tech could absolutely not run the football, and West Virginia was paving Virginia Tech. I don't even know why they threw a pass. Yeah, they, I don't they, know was, why. they was the, waxing them. The defensive line for WVU absolutely dominated that football game, and the offensive line for WVU played. I thought they played – they didn't play great, but they played well enough. I mean, West Virginia was running just five yards every single time. They could have ran it down their throat all night long. I would say West Virginia. I would give the offensive line for West Virginia an A plus. Um, the running lanes, those guys had. I mean, I could have ran my big fat butt through those running lanes. Those were some running lanes, and you know when you look back at it, um, guys that played well. I think Milam, Frazier, and Nestor um, graded out really well last week. They were they they've been dominant pretty much all season. You know Hubbard and um, in the what's the tackle on the left side. I'm not even sure. Uh, I'm just I'm blanking out. Yeah. But uh, anyway, they've been having some issues. But as far as the interior linemen, they've been playing really well. The, the thing is, is the final was 33 to 10. I didn't even think the game was that close. 
I thought it could have been – it could have really honestly been like 55 to 10. You know, West we Virginia left, left a lot of plays on the field. We left a lot of touchdowns out there. I mean, it, it, with the first two the first two drives is – we the uh, first one they stopped us, but the you know touchdown drives or the score, point scoring drives, we actually had – you know, we, we left two touchdowns out there, mm-hmm. at least two touchdowns. So, to me, I, I thought we should have beat them by 30. Uh, yeah. But, uh, again, it just wasn't um, – they, you know, again, that that crowd and it, the atmosphere is different. It's still a resounding win. It's the oh, biggest absolutely. win. Yeah, it's still a resounding win. But I mean, like the the domination. I was surprised. I didn't think it would be that bad. Like it was bad anyway. It could have been worse, and I didn't think it would be that bad because Virginia Tech on a Thursday is usually, it's always a tough game. No matter who goes there, it's always a tough game. I mean, they they beat North Carolina there to open last year, and uh, North Carolina obviously they were they were a ranked team. They weren't great last year, but still. I mean, and what you saw on Thursday night was complete domination from WVU. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't close. The yeah. offensive line, of course, played well, so that leads to what? That leads to the running backs being able to get off and do whatever they wanted. Um, Donaldson, 23 carries, 106 yards. Um, what I thought was interesting was Mathis fumbles. And don't play no more. And didn't play anymore. He went that's old that's like an old Rich Rod rule. That you know what they did that 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 was their that was their way to moving him out of the way. Um because again, I thought he should have started last game. Um Donaldson. I thought Donaldson should have started the game. He came in second on or what third it was third and short and he came in. So it was kind of he did start the game, but I think that was their way of saying, Okay, you gotta get out the way. You put one on the turf, now we're gonna bring this young boy in and let him do his thing. Yeah, that I, I thought the uh What's the backup? I can't Johnson, think of Johnson. Justin Johnson. I thought he was fantastic too. Yeah. He had he had about eleven carries for it felt like ninety yards. Yeah, he played very well. Uh he looked quicker through the hole to me than than Mathis did. And that's an old NFL rule. You fumble, you don't play, you don't block, you don't play. So right. I appreciate it. that's the first time I can recall Neil Brown taking a player out of the game and leaving him over there until the fourth quarter in a long time. If he it, that's the first time I ever recalled Neil Brown doing it. Now well, Rich used to do it. He's got options. Yes. Yeah, yes. Right. If he didn't have options, if you know he would have been back in the game because again, if somebody fumbles, they want to give him an opportunity. But that was that was the coaches. So when you go to the NFL, you get every depending on who you are. If you're a first round draft pick, you get every opportunity to to succeed as opposed to a a, 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 a what is it? Not a walk on, but a like an undrafted free, free, a, agent. A free agent or, or a later get, round pick. You get yeah. one chance to fail. You know what I mean? Yep. And he, you know his 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 lease was super short. So because yep. they're looking for a way. To, to feature this guy, and, yes. and they they supposed to though. I mean, I think they've and again as we've talked about on your segment, they've got a issue, and I use air quotes. They've got three solid running backs, and they don't really know how to spread it out. And they're going to make these guys compete. I think they're going to make them continue to compete throughout the the rest of the season. And with the fumble, that basically moved you to the back of the line, Absolutely. and then that just opened That's- it up for Donaldson and. And Johnson, because real, realistically, if you know, if you pay attention, to what happened? Uh, Donaldson tapped out. Yes, he did. He did. He, he came tapped out. Of the game, out. Yes. They put Mathis in, and he fumbled. He fumbled. And mm-hmm. Johnson, or maybe Donaldson, came back right back in. So, again, good problems to have. Donaldson's having a great season, though. Uh, I know he's leading the Big Twelve in yards after carry. Yeah, uh, he's leading the Big Twelve in that. He's con- breaking all of them. And, <laughs> I wouldn't want to tackle him. He's a man. He's a, yes. But, I mean, but when we say that, guys, we got to realize Mathis and Johnson are not, not little guys not, either. But he makes them look small. Right. That's the problem. I mean, Johnson, they're, they're both 5'10", 5'11". Yeah, they're, they're you know big what I mean? dudes. And, and they're big bodies. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that talk about Mathis should not be starting. But you know what? I really don't have an issue with them using him between the 30s 
because when they get into to what they you know the red zone or even the scoring zone, I don't mind them bringing Donaldson back in. Mm-hmm. I would prefer that he sits in the middle of the field, let them use Mathis and Johnson. Then, you know, I mean, obviously he can break one long, but you you want him rested when you get into that scoring zone because he's not in shape just yet. He keeps tapping out tapping himself out of games. So I'd rather just keep him when you get down into the red zone so you can use him. Yeah, I I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I want that beast on the field. I, I want <laughs> I want people scared of because again, he's gonna wear them down. If you got you know, I mean I say little guys. In my mind I'm saying little guys. If you got smaller backs and they're not small, but you got littler backs than him <laughs> coming in, then yeah, they're absolutely, you know, to have somebody that big, that that just that the change of pace that and then he, he I mean he is a fantastic – he's got great feet. I don't know if you guys have been watching this. Dude. He's got great feet, great vision. I mean, I think I think one of the plays, it was like third and third and three, he ran outside and he got hit in the mouth. He should have put his foot in the ground and went and – I'm pretty sure coach is going to say, hey, go run this guy over. Make him tackle you. He don't want to tackle you. But, I mean, he's a fantastic back. I'm, I'm excited to, to watch him and, and see his uh, progression. And with those three guys, what that does do, it enables the defense to get a rest. The defense played so much better on Thursday night. Now, I know – Virginia Tech's not a great offense, but the defense generated a touchdown. I mean, they, you know, the pick six, they played better overall, I thought, and they looked fresher during the game. Like against Kansas, they were out there on the field just getting torched. Kansas Kansas is pretty good offense, though. Yeah. um, How about JT Daniels? You know, 20 or 30, or he's 23 or 30, 203 yards. And honestly, I don't think that was his best performance. That was probably his worst performance of the season. I, I thought he so. looked that's human thought. for the first time this season. I agree with you. I don't. I don't think he put the ball where it needs to be um, a lot of the times. But I mean, he when it was time to make a play, he made the play. He, he missed a few throws the other night. I will say that he did miss a few. But it's nice to have a quarterback like where where the running game's working. You don't have to rely on him to absolutely win every single game because that's not the way it should be. It's a team. I think the most impressive thing that he did the other night was we got the ball back with what fifty seconds left, yeah, and he marched them right down the field and swung hit second hit, half, yeah, I mean, second quarter at the end of the second quarter, and that swung the momentum of the game. And basically, that was as as Tory Johnson would say, party over. I mean, <laughs> it was really over at that point. It, right. I mean, they yeah. The, the I'll tell you what are they gonna are they gonna try somebody out for punt returner? Not knocking, not knocking a Reese Smith, but you can't keep fumbling punts. You, you are knocking. No, him. you can't keep fumbling punts though. That was sixteen to ten. If Virginia Tech recovers that ball, oh, that yeah. game could be. You have to catch the ball. Like I mean, you have to catch it. Yeah, they, I think they got a that that the uh, the guy that they gave the scholarship to. Um, he had a good return against um uh was, who did we play last week? Townsend. Townsend. He had a good return against Townsend. We that's the one that gave the uh we gave a scholarship to this year. Now I. I Mixed them up with. Well, I mean, I'd rather put a defensive lineman out there if he can catch a ball and just fair catch it every time. That's yeah, that, how I feel. That's that, how I feel. That you definitely did hurt it. us, though. That definitely hurt us. It would have hurt us. It would have hurt us. Yes. It would have hurt us because they would have had the ball in what, 30, 40 yard line. I mean, let's talk special teams, though. I mean, their punter, he might be the best in the country. He was pinning the sets for sure. Yeah. And the one, the one they called out of bounds, I don't think it was out of bounds. Like, I mean, he called a touchback um, it, it down was, on the left. The, I think it hit the cone. But the cone was out of bounds. The cone well, was laying down. I was yeah. like, "That's crazy!" Like the dude was—he was pinning us. Yeah. yeah, he 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 was playing well, and and of course we get the ball though when we drove the length of the field back to the quarterback play. Absolutely, JT has been calm, cool, and collected, and you know obviously it wasn't his best performance, but he came out and played really well. 
on he, Thursday night and did everything he needed to do to continue to win uh, to win the ball game. When the other team's punters their player of the game, I'm thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> he, he definitely was. I mean, it, it was it was fun to it was fun to watch JT though. I mean, and and I don't I don't know if you guys listened to his his press conference after the fact. The dude knows what he's talking about, man. I, I'm I enjoy listening to to great people do what they do. All right. Well, West Virginia, of course, big win in Blacksburg. And when we come back, we're going to hear from the press room as Michael Sussman will have his report. And we'll do that after this. The Touchdown City Show will be back right after this. The relationship between a lawyer and a client is based on trust. You have to make certain that the lawyer you hire has your best interests at heart. This is attorney Ben Salango. Just like the Mountaineers are fighting hard on the field, the Salango Law Firm will fight hard to win your case. Whether it's medical malpractice, automobile or trucking accidents, hiring an experienced lawyer will make a difference in the outcome of your case. When you hire my law firm, you get results, not excuses. Check us out at salangolaw.com. Progeny Ford is the best place to sell or trade your car. We know people want a fair deal, so we're proud to be a participating dealer in Kelly Blue Book Instant Cash Offer. You have instant access to all the information you need to make a decision about your vehicle. You can get an offer to purchase your vehicle even if you don't buy one from us. We'll give you up to 130% of book value, and you can choose from the best selection in the area. Or just sell us your vehicle for the amount of the offer. I have more cars than anyone. Why wait to upgrade into the car of your dreams? Just go to ToddGDFord.com and see for yourself. Foundation problems don't get better with time. They don't get less expensive to fix either. They get worse, slowly but surely, as the years pass. But at some point, no matter how much you wish or pray or ignore them, they need to be dealt with. But there is a solution. Because foundation problems don't get better with time, but they do get better with us. Visit AlfredHomeSolutions.com and schedule a free estimate today. This is Aaron Beasley, and you're listening to the Touchdown City Show. Hello, it's Michael Sussman here with the Touchdown City Week 4 Game Recap brought to you by Salango Law. It was an electric atmosphere in Blacksburg Thursday night as 65,000 fans packed Lane Stadium for another edition of the Battle for the Black Diamond Trophy. The Enter Sandman tradition certainly did not disappoint ahead of kickoff, but Mountaineer receiver Caden Prather was ready for it all week. It's very satisfying. We prepared for that atmosphere all week. Uh, What's it called? The Sandman. We played it all day at practice. And, you know, it just got to the point where we were used to it, so it was nothing new. And defensive lineman Jordan Jefferson was unfazed as well in the junior's first trip to Blacksburg. Oh, yes, sir. Yeah, I'm perfectly happy when I have to hear that no more. It was a good atmosphere. It was my it was my first time ever playing the stadium and ever hearing it. You know, I watched a lot of YouTube videos or whatever. I seen it on YouTube, but, like, it was crazy to actually see it in person. But, you know, like I said, it was good to get the win. Even through the shock and awe of Enter Sandman, the Mountaineers put together the most complete performance of the year, winning 33-10. Here's head coach Neil Brown postgame. Great win uh, for us. It was, a, it was a complete win. Felt great about our preparation coming in. Knew, uh, have a lot of respect for Coach Pry and what he's doing program-wise. And this is one of the toughest venues to come in and play. Thought we played fast tonight. We were really physical. That's how we play defense here. You look at it, 35 yards rushing. Um, I thought I thought our D-line uh, was really uh, dominant in the, in the game. 
Speaking of, the WVU defensive line nose tackle Jordan Jefferson came through with four tackles, including a clutch fourth down stop midway through the second quarter. Here's what the All-Big 12 selection had to say when I asked him about the D-line's dominant showing. Just how satisfying was it as a defensive line to control that game the way that you did? Uh, it was very satisfying, you know. Uh, all glory goes to God for that, for giving us the opportunity to go out there and play the game that we all love. And uh, it's always good when you walk, walk in a place and uh, control the atmosphere. The Mountaineer defense has hit its stride over the last two weeks, giving up a combined 10 points and holding both opponents under 230 yards. Here's Coach Brown on the progression of the defensive unit. Well, it, it's good because we felt, we felt like coming into the year we had a chance to be good on defense. And, um, you know, we played really well up front against Pitt, um, and they hit some plays at the end of the game. Against Kansas, we didn't play well at all. That's not what we're about. And then we came and we were dominant last week, and then – Got off to a little bit of a slow start there. I think the second series, they were hit some passes. Um, but after that, I thought we settled in. We settled in and played really, really well. And on the offensive side of the ball, Mountaineer receiver Caden Prather was Mr. Reliable, catching six passes for 69 yards. After just two receptions in the opener, Prather has emerged in this West Virginia attack as the sophomore has 18 catches over the last three weeks. You know, just uh, not having that week one feeling again, you know, uh, that feeling sucks real bad. So we've been, you know, working real hard, you know, uh, and communication with JT hasn't been. West Virginia took control of the game with 11 seconds left in the second quarter when JT Daniels hit Sam James for a 24-yard touchdown pass to go up 13-7 to at halftime. Yeah, it was big. Yeah, and, and I felt like we were in control of the game, but the scoreboard didn't say that. We managed the clock well. JT does a really nice job in those situations and in the four-minute situation because he's, he's just relaxed and he's played a lot of football and he's highly intelligent. And then that was a big play. That was the only time they showed that coverage the whole first half was on the touchdown play. And JT located the two, the, the, the two safety defense and was able to find it. Great throw, great catch by Sam. That's a difficult catch. West Virginia found success on the ground for most of the night, rushing for 218 yards. Freshman C.J. Donaldson established a nice rhythm going for 106 on 23 carries. And the speedy sophomore Justin Johnson Jr. got in on the action as well, scampering for 83 yards and a touchdown. Here's what Coach Brown had to say on West Virginia's deep rushing attack. You know, I, I think we've played pretty solid all year. Um, even the Kansas game, our rushing numbers weren't what they've been the other three times, but that was more on our backs. And it, it's a combination. Offensive line-wise, we've got a chance. Um, and then our tight ends. I don't think they get talked about enough. Like Olafelin and Palende are plus blockers. And then we've got running backs that, you know, Justin Johnson comes in tonight and does a really nice job. Um, and so we've been able to run the ball pretty consistently. Not necessarily surprised about that. I don't know if, I don't know if we were dominant, uh, but, we, but we were able to move the ball. With the win, West Virginia moves to 2-2 two two going into next week's road matchup at Texas. Following an 0-2 start to the year, West Virginia is starting to show some signs of life as the Mountaineers look ahead to Week 5. Here's what Neil Brown had to say on the season to this point. I, I think the, uh, the the story of our downturn was probably exaggerated. <laughs> you know, Pitt's a good football team. We had a chance to win. Fluke play. You know, as a coach, you look back and say, okay, that's a fluke play. Now, there were some other plays we had that we could have won the game. Kansas did a nice job. Again, we kind of were our own worst enemy there, getting a late hit on the quarterback. Um, but but I knew we were close. We didn't hit the panic. I, li I really like our staff. I felt good about our team going into the year. We're back to even now. And so 
Um, got a big trip down to Austin. Another another big time atmosphere. West Virginia now leads the Black Diamond Series 30-23 all-time, and with no matchup set for next year, the trophy will likely stay in Morgantown for some time to come. These are moments that you'll never forget, you know. So yeah, these are very special to us. And it'll be uh, back Diamond Trophy be in Morgantown for a long time, so that's that's great. It's huge. That trophy is everything to us. Uh, I don't think we play Virginia Tech for a very long time again, so it's going to be in Morgantown for a while. Thanks for listening. This has been Michael Sussman with the Touchdown City Week 4 Game Recap brought to you by Salango Law. The Touchdown City Show will be back right after this. Hey guys, it's buy one, get one free boneless wings every Thursday at Buffalo Wild Wings. And guess what? You're going to be a dad? What? No. It's boneless Thursdays, which means free wings. <laughs> You'd be a great dad. Buy one, get one free boneless wings every Thursday. Only at Buffalo Wild Wings. Buy one, get one of equal value free at participating locations for a limited time. While supplies last, limit one, not valid with other offers, size exclusions apply, delivery and takeout valid on Buffalo Wild Wings website or app. Fees may apply. At Summit Community Bank, we believe in making people our priority. We believe in personalized service and exceptional financial products and services that meet a diverse range of needs. So whether you're saving for college, first time home shopping, planning for retirement, or managing a small business, Summit is committed to helping you live your best financial life. Visit www.mysummit.bank to learn more. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. It's Mountaineer football season at Tony the Tailor. Tony the Tailor is the Valley's preeminent men's clothing store. Master Tailor Anthony Perizzino has assembled an extraordinary combination of world-renowned vendors and support staff with one goal in mind, to exceed your expectations. In addition to hand-tailored clothing, Tony the Tailor also sells quality WVU apparel from Johnny O to show your support for the Mountaineers. Use promo code Let's Go for 20% off WVU apparel at at bestmastertailor.com. Hey, Mountaineer fans, this is Charlie Bauman, and you're listening to the Touchdown City Show. Welcome back to the Touchdown City Show, presented by Salengo Law. I'm Anthony Lewis, and joined on the telephone from the Sunshine State of Florida, if you guys would please welcome Mr. K.J. Harris. K.J., how you doing, my friend? Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Well, first of all, um, I wanted to talk to you because uh, – you know, it's crazy to think back that next year will have been 20 years since West Virginia upset uh, Virginia Tech in Morgantown, and you were a part of that. And also, I want to get into the current stable of running backs. So, first of all, let's let's flash back 19 years ago since we just played Tech uh, the other night. Um, you know, what do you remember about that rivalry, and what was it to you as a player? Yeah, it's, 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 first of all, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, thinking back, it's been that long when it doesn't seem that long, but to, to put it in numbers, it was pretty long ago, but I still remember that night. Like it's like it was played yesterday. Um, I remember the atmosphere, just, just the whole week of practice. Um, you can see, and definitely that was the week we came off of that big, big game against Miami, you know, that we also should have won. So it was kind of like, um, you know, we were still riding that, that that game for us turned our season around, um, that Miami game, even though we lost. And so going into Virginia Tech, we didn't care what they could have been ranked number one. We went into that game knowing 
that we was going to win that game. And the year before, we actually won in Blacksburg. Um, that was right before I got there. But I just remember, you know, watching that game and seeing it. But that whole week of preparation, you know, on a Thursday night, you know, if you can't get up for a Thursday night game when you're the only game on TV in front of the whole country, you know, you shouldn't be playing college football. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was all the motivation we needed, you know, the excitement of knowing that, um, you know, being burnt after the game and just to get out or get away from the game after the game and just be on the town city to see the craziness was, was, was more than enough motivation for all of us. You know, um, can you still taste the pepper spray from that game? Uh, yeah, most definitely because I ended up getting – I remember when we won that game, I always will run to the student section, which is in the far – you know, excuse me, for the far right side of the end zone. So, um, toward the hospital, I will always run down there. So, of course, when they rushed the field, it took me forever. I think I was one of the last ones to come off the field to get back into the locker room. I think Coach Rod was already giving a speech to the team when I finally got back in. Um, but yes, I remember the pepper spray. I remember uh, I seen yeah, it was it was that was a crazy night, man. That was definitely an atmosphere that will always always stick in my head. Let's switch gears to this year's game um, and this year's team. Um, so West Virginia currently has a, a pro, and I use air quotes when I say this. They have a problem because they got three solid running backs. You know, they came in with with Mathis and, and Johnson as their one and two, and then this Donaldson kid comes out of nowhere. Uh, what do you think of the stable running backs West Virginia's putting on the field right now? Well, yeah, I, I can say right now in this day and age, um, there's definitely, even even from to the NFL, the sharingness of, uh, of, of, of running backs is just, you know, now there's not a lot of number ones, true number ones. It's done by a committee. And which is fine. I guess, you know, I'm spoiled in that that way of, you know, not really if you, you ride with the hot hand and you go with it. Me personally, I mean, I like Donaldson because I see a little bit of me and him with the size being 6'2", 240, Florida kid from Miami. Um, I, when I watch him, I see me as far as the size. You know, um, Matt is a smaller guy, you know, being, you know, 5'11", 207. You know, and Johnson, I like him too. But I, I kind of feel like um, it's one of those things where, you know, you ride the hot hand. I understand they try to get the share touches um, and switch up pace and things like that. I just figure out, you know, to me, looking at watching them play to come up with a scheme to have both backs on two backs on, on the field at a time just for uh, mismatch purposes. I would love to see Matthews get more in open space. You know, I would love to see Donaldson, of course, in those, um, you know, short down situations, just give him the ball and let him just pound somebody down. And John and, and and Justin, it's kind of like a do it all both, you know. So um, it's a great problem to have. I can tell you that as a coach, it's a great problem to have. But me as a you know being a former running back, you know, I would love to probably see Donaldson get a few more touches during the game. You know, I have said with with Avon in the room, we've talked about. I feel like this is the first time in a while that West Virginia's had. Um, a good one-two punches. And when I think of one-two punches in the running backs, I think when Avon and Quincy was there, then I think about about when it was you and Quincy. And then just down the line, you know, there's right. – there's and then it felt like maybe it stopped there for a while where they didn't even have a guy that was a solid, um, you know, solid tailback for, for a minute. But what is it – what does it do for defenses when when you've got two different style of running backs and, and – 
you know, for like for now, like for instance, for now with Mathis being a sm- he's smaller than all of a sudden they bring in the big guy what they bring in Donaldson and he's tough to tackle. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you can stay on sustaining long drives, like, you know, four, 14, 15 play drives and, you know, you're just pounding on the defense and then you bring in Donaldson who, you know, just comes in and he can just lay it on you when the defense is just trying to get off the field to get a break. That's when you feel it the most and definitely going into the fourth quarter. That was one thing I used to love about with Coach McGee uh, when I was there at West Virginia. You know, he, he would always tell me, like, KJ, you know, the one thing I love about you is that you're every down back. I don't have to take you out on passing downs and things like that. And defense can't prepare for that. You know, they kind of look for the switch now. You know, when you got a guy who catches the ball or small, you know, quicker on, 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 on third down on passing situations, I didn't have to come off the field. You know, mm-hmm. I could stay on the field with those, those those situations. And they would match up with smaller guys and have a nickel defense or, you know, something like that. And, you know, you get me in space on a passing down and still throw me the ball out of the backfield, you know, with the, with the third and fourth corner in there, you know, a, a extra DB instead of a linebacker. You know, that, that was a mismatch. And that's the problems that we can create, you know. So, like I said, it's, it's, I'm kind of biased just because I'm not the average size back. You know, I, I was definitely, you know, Nate Donaldson, you know, being a tight end and being, being moved to running back, you know. So, the same way, man, you know, I, I, it's, it's, it's kind of hard for me to judge it because I've, I've always felt like, you know, I was definitely a mismatch as far as when it comes to playing the position. That's funny that you said it because this is kind of what led me to reaching out to you this week. Uh, Donaldson reminds me a lot of you. Just right. with the size right. and the speed, and 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 I even Thursday night looked at my. I was with a friend of mine. I looked at him. I said, "Man, this Donaldson kid reminds me of KJ Harris so much, just with his size and speed." And and um, I, I said, I told my my friend Alan. I said, "When he when he his running back vision clears, he's going to be a problem because he's still right. learning how to be a running back." Absolutely, he's still a freshman, man. It's probably still going to. It, it, it takes a while to sink in. I mean, even me coming in as a you know junior college transfer, you know, playing on the big stage, it took a minute for me to actually see the game and slow the game down. You know, I was so excited and jittery and wanted to just get in there and just you know pound it and and not really understand the reads the right way because I was still learning and we played fast. That was the other big thing. But once you get opportunity, like when you sustain, like, you know, playing in spurts behind Quincy, you know, getting in when he, you know, when he needed a break or when we went max protection, uh, we call him um, Max, you know, both running backs in the back, you know, and, and you know, once I was in there for like a drive or two and I created, you know, started to drive or, you know, took over for a while, it slows down. You know, when you jump in at spurts and jump in here for a play, you jump in there to give a guy a break, you know, you're kind of excited and you want to go in there and do something exciting, you know, at that at moment but once you realize that you're going to be the guy for a while that's when I think the game changes and that's why I said I would love to see Donaldson you know probably you know go out there for two or three straight drives and let him be the guy unless he needs to come off to be a break or even all of them you know just just to get into a rhythm mm-hmm. you know that is very important about that you know just like a quarterback you know you get in the rhythm you give him a short pass you know to just to get him a rhythm to see somebody catch the ball and it's the same way for running backs you just want to be able to get steady feeds and you know and get and, and you know, and just get a couple carries up on your belt. And things come into a rhythm and the game slows down, you know. And so, you know, I would love to just see that. But they have, like I said, it's a great problem to have. Um, and I, I see them just improving, man. That running game just going to be the thing that makes um, JT, man, just have, just be able to sit back in that pocket and pick people apart as long as that running game take off. 
you mentioned um, somebody I wanted to talk to you about, and I wanted to kind of kind of get your memories of Coach Calvin McGee. Unfortunately, um, Coach McGee passed this year, and of all the guys I know, um, you probably have the longest of the guys that I know probably probably have the longest relationship with Calvin. Um, you know, can you just talk about Coach McGee and what he meant to you um, in your yeah. career? Absolutely, man. And, and this, this conversations that I've had, I've had many times with many people, you know, um, former people, former players, coaches, uh, just friends. And this one that I would never, ever, ever get tired of talking about um, because I, I came in the coach. McGee came into my life as a 14 year old kid here in Tampa, um, eighth, ninth grade, junior middle school, junior high school. And that guy saved my life. From the time I met him, he saved my life. And what I mean by that is just the path he, the confidence he gave me on a path I never saw. He he saw my future before I saw it. Um, I had dreams, of course, playing professional sports. And at that time, I didn't know what I wanted to play, man. Football, baseball, basketball. I ran track. I was good and all. Um, but it's something I knew I was going to turn pro and w- at least one of them. When I first met Coach McGee as a as a freshman, he changed. I was just a raw athlete, um, you know, playing football. He shaped me, he molded me, and he coached me. He told me from day one, "I'm not going to coach you to play high school football." He said, "I'm going to coach you to play on Sundays because that's where I see you at." And he he did. When I tell you, he would get in my face. He would he would make me run the play over and over again and teach me how to see it as if I was playing on Sunday instead of seeing how to play as a high school kid. He will always tell me, that first guy in front of you, you don't you don't see him. You see the second guy behind him. And I never knew what that meant at first. And I never had no one tell me that. You know, and what he was telling me was that you're good enough to make the first guy miss. You need to focus on that second guy. He said half the time you don't even have to you don't even have to put a move on the first guy. You're so big and strong, the big you're just gonna run through that guy. So he started teaching me how to see the next guy behind him. You know, and and that is one of the things I will always remember. Um, and I spoke at his funeral um, when he passed away. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm honored to say that I was the first, I'm probably, I am the only player he's ever coached in his first high school game and the only player he, co- he coached me in my last college game. And I'm the only player who can ever say that, that he coached me in my first ever high school game and he coached me in my last college game. And, man, that is something I would cherish for the rest of my life and never forget it. That man meant the world to me, and I would never forget the day, the, the, how that how I felt when I got the phone call and got the news. Um, it was definitely one of those um, situations where when I heard it, I didn't believe it, but then I knew it was true, and my body went numb, and I hit the ground, and I was on the ground. And I couldn't get up for 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 a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I no feeling in me, man, and it was tough. I called my mom, and when she answered the phone, I couldn't even say it. As soon as I heard her voice, I just started crying, and she started screaming, "What's wrong? Thinking something was wrong?" Well, you know, of course it was, and she was screaming and freaking out. And when I finally told her, and, you know, when I was able to come to my conscience to tell her from from crying, um, she started crying with me. Mm-hmm. So, um. Yeah, man. Yeah, he um, obviously I didn't have that type of relationship with him, but he was uh, 
a class act, always really kind to me with my time uh, whenever I was working there with those guys. And, right. and I know just talking to you now and talking to Avon and talking to Quincy, I mean, when I say you, most players respect their, their former coaches, but that man uh, garnered love. I mean, his, his guys loved him. I mean, when Man. I say loved him, they loved him, and yes. you won't, you know, all of them. I mean, in the I saw the photo of all you guys at the service, and of course, it looked like a uh, a WVU reunion there, and there were even other guys there. But um, you know, his his guys loved him, and and um, that's um, and I guess that's just a tribute to the kind of person that he was. He was definitely a father figure to me, man. Um... You know, if it wasn't for Coach McGee, it would have been no me at, at West Virginia. Mm-hmm. You know, that's 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 one hundred percent accurate. I didn't come to West Virginia because of Coach Rod. I didn't come to West Virginia. But I came to Coach. I came to West Virginia strictly for Coach Calvin McGee, mm-hmm. and you know, and and that's the only reason. Um, and I can say I'm proud to say, you know, it was the one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. You know, um, I talked to a lot of you know youth here, a lot of youth football, you know, high school kids here. Everybody always wants to know about the NFL. Everybody wants to know, you know, about it. Oh, you know, you, you play with, you know, Eli Manning, you played against Michael Vick, all that kind of stuff. I am more proud to talk about my experience in college more about the NFL. I tell them all, the NFL is a business, it's a job, it's politics, everything. The best time of my life was the two and a half years I spent in Morgantown. Mm-hmm. Not winning the Super Bowl with the Giants, you know, not playing baseball, not playing, um, you know, like I said, in the NFL, you know, with the Dolphins, the Rams, and the Giants. My, I talk more about my two and a half years in college at Morgan in Morgantown more than anything else when it comes to me talking about sports. What and when I think about your time in Morgantown, what a what an amazing time! I mean, just a few years before West Virginia, Coach Rodriguez's first year, they went three and eight. Um, and then the next year they have the biggest turnaround in the country. Avon leads them, Avon and and Grant, those guys lead them to eight and three. And then, you know, obviously the next couple of years, they win that big East championship. You guys brought, I think two home during your time. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. What do you remember? What are some things that really stand out about your time in Morgantown? Well, I can tell you this. Like I said, I came there because of Coach McGee, and I'll never forget when I came on my visit, I was in junior college in Garden City, Kansas, and um, uh, I was talking to my guard, brother Daryl Jackson at the time, who was playing for the Seattle Seahawks. And, you know, we were talking about, hey, man, where are you going to transfer to? You know, he's like, they like you up here in Washington. He's like, man, you should come up here in Washington with me. I'm in Seattle. You'll be around the corner, you know, and stuff like that. So I was being recruited by everybody out of the country, you know, coming out of junior college. And then he told me, I thought Coach McGee was there at the time coaching at University of South Florida. Well, at that time, South Florida program, you know, was just wasn't where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't even think about, you know, coming back to University of South Florida. Um, so then Daryl made a comment to me and said, well, you gonna go, you, you, why not go to West Virginia? Coach McGee there. I said, he's at West Virginia? You know, and he was like, yeah, Coach McGee's at West Virginia. And I was like, you kidding me? So I looked it up and I found out that he was. And like I said, I kind of recruited myself. I picked up the phone and made a <laughs> phone call. Um, he thought I was still playing baseball at the time, you know, and he didn't know I was back in school, you know. So um, when he realized that, you know, I, I was calling him and wasn't joking about it. And I told him, you know, I was at Garden City and was ready to transfer. 
you know, and I said, hey, I just need to know one thing, Coach. Do you want me to come? To, do you want me to come to West Virginia? And I just remember him saying, hell yes. <laughs> well, he freaked out and he put me on pause and he went to Coach Rod's office and he transferred the call. And I never forget the conversation. He said, oh, remember that Harris? Remember the kid I had back in the running back I had in Tampa? Because um, Coach Rod was at, at Tulane at the time mm-hmm. when Coach he was coaching me in high school. Um, and I remember him saying, um, you know, they was there to recruit Sean King, I think. Um, and, and, and the game, though, I played against Sean King in high school. I was a freshman. He was a senior. And Coach McGee, you know, reminded Coach Rod, like, about the, you know, the running back he had. And he said, well, Coach, he's at, he's at a junior college. He wants to come to West Virginia. And I just remember Coach Rod, and that first time I heard him say, are you shitting me? <laughs> he's like, he wants to come here. You know, and. He was like, yeah, and it was like, I love to have you, have you, and um, so I, you know, I came on my visit, and I never forget, man. Um, Bob picked me up from the airport, then bringing me to Morgan. We were driving from Pittsburgh, we we're on our way to Morgantown, and I'm looking at the scenery, and it was cold. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was in November. I think we played. I think they played Boston College. I came up on a visit when they played Boston College, and um, I remember driving from the airport and driving to Morgantown. And, uh, you know, I'm going through the hills and the valleys, and I'm just looking, and I'm saying, and the first thing I said to myself was, oh, shit, what did I get myself into? <laughs> <laughs> and I would just never forget that thought, man. I was like, oh, man, I told this man I'm going to come here. And I'm just looking, and, you know, and I'm like, man, I'll never forget that. And then we got off that exit, and we came, we, we started, you know, passing the Coliseum, and we made that left turn. Um, and the light right there at the Coliseum and coming down and you can start seeing the hospital and the stadium in the background. And I was like, oh man, this is a real college town. And, you know, and I just remember coming up the side street to the stadium and that big dip down to come back up before you pull into the stadium parking lot. I'm sorry, I don't remember the street names no more, but, and I just remember, man, it was a Friday and I saw them tailgating outside already for the game on Friday. And I just remember, wow. This is a real, um, um, a real college town, and man, I remember getting in the car. I met, got pulled up to the stadium, went in there, and met all the coaches. Seen Coach McGee gave him the biggest hug ever, man. And we just took a ride around the town. And I remember Coach Rod pulling the car over and called at, at a group of uh, a frat. I don't know, it wasn't a frat house. There's a house used to be right across the street from the stadium. And oh yeah, the um, yeah. tailgate central. Yeah. So, guys outside you know it was a bunch of them they was out tailgating in the front yard and coach rod said hey guys you remember you know that running back is coming here next year and them guys started screaming my name they didn't even see me i was in the car it was like yeah the harris kid blah 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 and then it was i remember they just went to yelling all stuff the former baseball player blood and all that there and he said well here it goes and coach rod made me get out of the car and, and them guys started doing a chant man and they jumped on the high five with them all and took pictures and I was like, yeah, I think I made the right decision. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Morgantown's very unassuming, you know, and I hear that story a lot about that drive from Pittsburgh, and you're like, oh man, especially yeah. especially the Florida guys. They're like, man, what what am I what am I doing here? And then you get into town and you realize that Morgantown's a little bit different. There's a few uh, other there's a few other college towns like that. I think Madison, uh, Wisconsin's the same way. University of Florida is because it's Gainesville, Florida. You wouldn't even know Gainesville was a city on the map if it weren't for University of Florida. You know, when I'm here, so you know, I drive that way. I drive up and down this, this interstate all the time, and 
you don't the universal what Morgantown reminds me of Gainesville because like I said it's, it's a college town if it wasn't for that, that the college the town wouldn't be there you wouldn't even know it's a city on the map mm-hmm. you know so you know it, that's definitely what it reminds me of but Morgantown is definitely way way better than Gainesville <laughs> and I'm a Florida guy yeah yeah <laughs> I'm pretty fond of it too I tell you what yeah. it hasn't changed much in, in 20 years I, I I don't remember the last time um did you come up last year what? No, yeah, you I were here up, for the no, spring I, game. I came, I, came, I came up for the spring game. Yeah, yeah, we didn't get to link up, but I knew you. Were, uh, but you know, it's it's grown up a lot, but it's still the same, man. The people here oh, in West yeah, Virginia um, yeah. love the Mountaineers. Absolutely, know. that's the thing about it, man. I don't care. You know, like I said, it's been nineteen. How long ago? How long has I been going now since two thousand five? And they yeah. still, you know, just to go places, still and to walk in the building and don't even be in there ten seconds to have somebody yell your name still. That just lets let you know the love that they have for their form, their current and former players, man. They know you, they know who you are. You know, like I said, I, I mean, everywhere I go, I walk in the building and somebody yells your name right away. You know, and that, and that that that's what makes you just feel good about it. And there's no place like it, man. There's no no place like it. I'm pretty sure everybody says that about their school, but hey, I'm a mountaineer and I'm saying it about mine. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that I always, you know, I always try to. I, I, of course, I've been – my first game was in 1988. was the first time I ever went to a game. I started – major. Yeah, they, <laughs> it was actually the Syracuse game. Um, the, it was game 11. And if they won – when they won, that was the 11th victory of the regular season, undefeated regular season. And that was the first time I was there. And, um, and of course, back then they weren't on TV all the time, so I listened to them on the radio all the time. Right, So right. I just um, – so I've historically – followed them and of course my relationship and then working there and that type of thing but one thing i'll say about west virginia there's only a handful of schools that have a long lineage of great running backs i'm talking not just you know oh we've had a a good run in the last four years i'm talking back to garrett ford and then all the way through the running backs of west virginia have been great running backs and have gone on to do great things Um, what's it mean to you to be a part of that type of lineage you know, it's funny, man. You know, it, it's I, I've kind of been like this one since high school as well. Um, I, I don't know, man. I never always – I never put myself in that category of great running backs of West Virginia. I kind of say I – I guess I cheat myself because I said I went there for two years. You know, I, I hear other people say it, and, you know, I, I, I just kind of never do. But I'm a fan of everybody else. Like, I talk about Avon, Napoleon – you know, Amos, you know, Steve, Noel, you know, all those guys. I talk about them, man. I talk about those guys and brag about them more as if, like, I was in the stands watching them and didn't play myself, you know. Yeah. You know, and Tay, you know, and Tavon being a mismatch of both, you know, a running back and a receiver. You know, I, I brag more about those guys than I do myself. Even here in town, when I, you know, being here in Tampa, you know, of course, Everybody always, you know, talk about, oh, man, you should have saw KJ in high school. should have saw KJ in high school do this. But I talk about the guys who I watched in high school, you know, the Eugene McCaslins who played at University of Florida and then went on to play with Green Bay. Um, you know, we had a guy, even the guy before me, when I before I got to Coach McGee, he had the smallest and toughest. To me, he he ran the ball like he was 6'4", 300 pounds. And his name, his name was Elijah Powell. He's the guy who I replaced when Coach McGee came and found me, he was five, six, a hundred and some pounds and rushed for 1,700 yards at Tampa Catholic. Ooh. You know, and stayed behind a guy in high school when I was a sophomore 
Um, I had a guy in front of me named Malcolm Durant, who was like 5'7", who led the county in rushing, and I was his biggest fan. He would get hurt. I'm like, man, you got to get up and get back in there. I'm like, I didn't want to. <laughs> I'm like, I would be on the you know sideline cheering for those guys just as much you know as excited it was. It's nice to hear other people talk about it, but I'm like the other way. I'm, I'm I keep myself out of those conversations, and I just talk about the people who you know who play who I enjoy watching. I mean, I just let let you know I'm a fan of the game and a fan of the sport, a fan of my position, you know. But um. I never seen myself as one of the West Virginia greats for some reason. I just don't, you know. It, it's fine for other people to say it, but I just feel like I, 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 I kind of feel like I, I left a lot on the table. I, I can say that, you know, with some of the injuries, um, I definitely had some big plans, you know, goals, and, and when I was there, and I got slowed down by the hamstring injury. That they, they really, they really kind of knocked me down for a while, you know, and, and, and lingered on through the, the whole season of my senior year. Because I was definitely on pace. I was. I had said I'm going for 2,000 yards. That was my goal. I wanted 2,000 yards. And after that first game, I was like, 2,000 yards is going to be easy because I just got 337. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I definitely, you know, so, you know, the injuries played this part. I didn't play the UConn game. Um, I ended up hurting my ankle in the Virginia Tech game. James Madison, one thing they said was the coach told me, I'll never forget after the game, he told me, hey, if you beat us by 60, you beat us by 60, but you weren't going to run for 300 yards on us. And they made sure that, you know, <laughs> they yeah. held me like 68 yards. You know, they was like, then that was a game they let Chris Henry get off. But they told me, the coach told me, you was not running for 300 yards on us. And that was my goal for the whole week that I told the team. You know, so things like that, man. And, you know, finally getting a chance to get healthy was the break that we had in the end of the year to, um, to go to the, the, the bowl game. And I just remember, I said, you know what, I'm going to go out with a bang and I'm going to try to put together one of the best performances I can play. And, you know, and, and fortunately, you know, we, we didn't win, but it was death statistically. And, and I think Florida State didn't have a 100-yard rush on them on like 30-some-plus games up until that day. You know, and I remember Coach McGee saying to me before the game, like, hey, um, you know, Florida State hasn't had a 100-yard rush in them in, so many, in this amount of time. And he's like, you're you going to let that happen? I said, no, nah, that's coming down, Coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so – you know, things like that, man. But yeah, to be to be to be called one of the greats, you know, from other it sounds good, but I definitely definitely didn't see myself as one of those. I, I think when I look back at it, I think you deserve a spot in that conversation when you go down the list, and that's just coming from me. Um obviously the hamstring injury hampered you a little bit in your senior season, but you did some great things while you were at West Virginia. Obviously you had the, the, the record-breaking game. And um, and I think, honestly, if if you would have been there for four years, um, I, I seriously think you would probably – and it would have ended up in the top ten all-time rushing. Um, right. You know, and, and, and again, the – there's the, – they had a problem. They had, a, they had stacked running back rooms back then. You would have been <laughs> – it would have been you, Avon, Quincy, Cassell Smith, it would have been a, a a lot of guys, you know, battling for for uh, carries. But I think that's a good problem to have with the absolutely. Program. Right, you're right, you're right. Well, KJ, I'm not going to keep you, man. I appreciate you taking the time to come here on the Touchdown City Show. Always great hearing from you and catching up with you. We gotta try to link up. I know we tried at the spring game, but spring game weekends are wild, man. Everybody's going a million different directions and a lot of things going on, but. Um, when, when is homecoming again? 
Oh, that's a good question. Let me see here. I know they probably it's TCU, the 29th. Of October? I believe so. I would assume because... I might try, I might try to come up that weekend, man. I might try up and bring my son and my godson and I was going to bring my godson as a treat um, my godson is Arion Knighton who is um, right now at the time the fastest under 20 year old in the world if you know you know who he is uh, the one back and field um, here from Tampa just graduated last year just graduated this June out of high school the 17 year old who ran the Olympics last year in the 200 meters who's broken all of Usain Bolt's 20 and under records right now, and he currently is the fourth fastest ever in that event in the 200 meters. So um, he's actually waiting on me right now. Um, I'm finna go get up with him, and um, but he we 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 already talked about planning the trip to come up for homecoming. I wanted to bring him because he still has college eligibility. Uh oh, <laughs> you know. So um, man, to uh, we talk about it all the time, and just you know to see him put on the college uniform and go out there and run a nine route and just fly past everybody, man, would just be, you know, still in the works. He's only 18. Um, World Championships next year. Olympics the year after that. And you never know, man, after that Olympic run. Hey, I did it as a late late bloomer. I was a 21-year-old freshman. He still has college eligibility. And um, you never know, man. You might see him in a football uniform one day. And um, hopefully it's a West Virginia one. Yeah, and, and not to – to hold you up, but that's the th- great thing about football is you don't have to start playing with your when you're eight years old. Nope. You nope. can you can nope. start. Football is really not. It's not like baseball or it's not like a lot of sports. You know, mm-hmm. you can learn football pretty quick if you if you have the ability. You can get out there and make a difference if you have the yep. the, the skill sets. Well, I I I sport I I'll get you excited for a little bit. I get you real excited. Go look at this YouTube high school highlight tape. Arion Knight, E R R I Y O N, Arion Knight, and just just YouTube him and look at all, look at his look at his running, but look at his high school highlight tape on there, and and you you tell me <laughs> the thing about it, we have to get a quarterback and get him the ball. <laughs> well, they've got you know, they've got some kids up there, man. They've got uh, you you know I know obviously you've seen J T Daniels and and then they've got the freshman that the Markiel kid that from Arizona that people were excited about. But they got another kid down there that right now his name is Goose Crowder that I'm really high on. Um, that right. people you know don't seem to really be talking about, but the kick and sling it. So they got some really young quarterbacks. So if he's going to come, now's the time. <laughs> so, all right, well, KJ. Maybe two years from now. Well, he'll still be. Well, those kids will still be there. That's the crazy yeah. thing. So, I will text you if you come into town for the uh, TCU game. We'll link up. I'm, I've got a little spot right by, the, literally a hundred yards from the stadium where we set up, and we'll be there that day. So I appreciate okay. you taking the time to to join us and catch everybody up with uh, and share some stories. Anytime, man. You know I got you. All right, appreciate you, man. Thanks. And KJ was one of the amazing running backs that came in. And it reminds me so much of C.J. Donaldson and the situation right now at West Virginia. You got a crowded running back room, and when he came to campus, it was the same type of situation. You had Quincy, and he backed up Quincy for a year, and then, of course, in 04, uh, took over as the uh, starting running back. But uh, And, of course, had the record-breaking game that uh, against East Carolina, ran for over 300 yards against East Carolina. But that was K.J. Harris. And uh, thank you guys for checking out this episode of the Touchdown City Show. And we'll be back after this.
The Touchdown City Show will be back right after this. You've been in an accident. It's time to call Warner Law Offices. We've recovered millions and millions of dollars for car accident victims. Don't settle for the insurance company's low offer. Call us today. No upfront cost, free consultation, and no fees until we win your case. Warner Law Offices, when you need justice. Bobby Warner, now's the time. Call 345-6789. Where do you go to buy your sports memorabilia? Hmm. Your answer needs to be sports fans in Taze Valley. Sports fans has WVU and Marshall shirts, hats, autographed merchandise, gifts, and more. NBA, MLB, NFL, and other NCAA teams. Shop in store at Liberty Square in Taze Valley and online at Sports with an S, Fans with a Z, WV.com. Sports fans, the Canal Valley source for all things sports. Welcome back to the Touchdown City Show. Welcome back to the Touchdown City Show. And hey, if you're looking for a great place to stay, I highly recommend checking out Murph Landing. It's a two-bedroom, one-bath, three beds, and of course has a living room, dining room, full kitchen, a grill outside. It's a great place to stay when you're visiting Morgantown, either for football games, basketball games, for any reason you're in Morgantown. Check that out at MountaineerFieldhouse.com. And again, it's called Murph Landing. All right, sports headlines from around the country. Michael, what do you got for us this week? All right, a little bit of a surprise to start out. Middle Tennessee State beating Miami 45-31 to yesterday. Uh, it's rough for the Canes right now. They even had a fight in the stands. Hopefully Akeem Mesidor got out unscathed. Yeah. Uh, but what, what's going on down there in Coral Gables? <laughs> well, yeah, so thoughts and prayers to Mesidor. Hopefully he was felt safe when he was uh, leaving the stadium. I and, would hope. Yeah. I would hope. But what a blowout. I watched some of that game, and let's just say Middle Tennessee looked like the better team. I mean, their quarterback completed 16 passes for over 400 yards. I think he's the first quarterback since, like, 2000 in college football to have that few completions with that many yards. Did uh, did Middle Tennessee have uh, Randy Moss on their team? I don't – man, they had a little guy. He was number two. They threw him a 98-yard touchdown. I mean, he was he was a speedster. He was blazing up that sideline. He was high-stepping and everything. It was – it was he, <laughs> he, burnt was climbing, that, huh? he burnt that corner. Yeah, it was, it was quite the display. And what was so crazy about it – you thought at one point, well, maybe Miami can get back into this. At no point, it did, was was it even that close? Wow. It was seven, it was ten to three, and then I saw it seventeen to three. So I flipped it over, and then it went to twenty four to three, and Miami never got closer than fourteen points the rest of the night. Well, I'm gonna watch that game. I didn't watch it. It was it was. I mean, it was. I thought Middle Tennessee was just flat out the better team. And then in what I thought was the best game of the night, Texas A and M survives twenty three to twenty one over Arkansas. Guys, it looks like Jimbo's starting to get the swagger back a little bit at A&M. Well, let me tell you this. They did not deserve to win that game. What are the odds of a field goal kicker hitting the very top of a field goal post? Not very. Those odds are slim to none. They got lucky yesterday, and Texas A&M could not stop the run. I saw that's the first time I've ever seen a, a kicker hit the top of the goalpost. With all the football that I've watched, that's the first time I've ever seen that happen. Also, they were down 14-7. to Arkansas fumbles going into the end zone, and A&M gets a lat- – like they run it back to like the 18-yard line lateral, it, and the guy goes the rest of the way for a touchdown. That game could have very easily gone the other way. I don't know if Jimbo's – I mean, he's safe for now. 
but they still have they still have Mississippi, Mississippi State, Alabama. They're going to have some tough games ahead. They he may he's feeling it. I know. I just thought that Arkansas deserved to win that game, and they got lucky. Oh, A and M very very lucky. I would have just shook hands and walked off the field. There would not have been any <laughs> celebrations, any of that. You just count your lucky stars. They got lucky yesterday. And the big upset of the day: Kansas State knocks off number four Oklahoma, forty-one to thirty-four in Norman, behind a big-time performance from the Nebraska transfer quarterback Adrian Martinez. So, guys, the Sooners go down. How's that shake out as far as the Big Twelve moving forward? It, to me, it opens it wide. It opens it wide up because one thing that I'm telling you, Ken, is Kansas is going to Kansas is going to beat a lot of people, but. The question about that is, how old is Martinez? He's got to be forty-three years old. <laughs> well, I think there was a few Martinez. No, no, this guy. He's been in. He's been in college like five or six like years. He, he played for he Nebraska, played Nebraska for, for at least four years. Oh, there wasn't two Martinez brothers no, this, that played in Mar- no, Nebraska. Taylor one. Taylor Martinez played like ten years ago for Nebraska. This is Adrian Martinez that came in. He it felt like he came in in like 2016, 2017. I oh, thought wow. he played two thousand two. Yeah. Like no, that's he's been there forever. I think that's Taylor Martinez that you're thinking of. Well, oh. I have to tip my hat to him because last night was one of those games where in twenty five years. That picture will be in his office because he played a hell of a football game last night. Kansas State's interesting. Last week they lose to Tulane, and this is Adrian Martinez. He's either great, average, or bad. He can be all three in in different quarters, but if you get the great one, which you saw last night, you're in big trouble. (laughs) Yeah, he was a stud last night for sure. Well, hopefully he got it out of his system before we play him later. (laughs) No doubt. Right. And Kansas is 4-0 and for the first time since 2009. Of course, we're recording this on Sunday, but is it time to rank the Jayhawks? It's time. I'm telling you, Kansas is going to beat a lot of people this year. I mean, they're 4-0. You, you have to rank people down there. I mean, you can't keep ranking SEC teams just to rank SEC teams. Kansas deserves to be ranked. They're 4-0. They have a nice win at WVU. They have a win over 3-1 and Duke. Uh, I a road win at Houston. A road win at Houston. Yeah, put them in the top twenty-five. It's not going to hurt anything. And, and realistically, the rankings don't matter anyway. No. But Jalen Daniels is a hell of a football player, and he has been the difference maker on that team. They brought guys in. Kansas is sitting at four zero since the first time since two thousand nine. So kudos to them. Yeah. Absolutely. And Texas Tech edges Texas thirty-seven to thirty-four. Uh, Derek, are the Longhorns back? I told y'all in the preseason they've been back since Rutgers invented football in eighteen eighty-seven. <laughs> they're not back. They're, I mean, they're not garbage. I'm not gonna call them garbage. They're not back though. They still have a long way to go. Be back. Everybody got excited because they played Alabama close. I thought the better football team won that Alabama Texas game, and this is what Texas does. They rise up against the team you don't expect them to. And then they fold ten against the team that they should beat by twenty. Look, let me ask you this: Did their quarterback play? Because he, well, he's no. been hurt. It was Card. It was Hudson Card. It was their backup. It was backup. their backup. Okay, but Ewers, yeah. yeah, Ewers might be back for WVU. He uh, practiced all week. I hope he. I hope he's not because he's a stud. Yeah, he's a stud. I like. I like what I see out of him. And but, I think that's why they lost that game is because he brings a whole different presence to the game. And I'm not knocking Card or anything, but I am. He, he sucks. Oh uh, well, I mean, he's a highly he's a highly recruited <laughs> he's a highly recruited player. He, like There's so many bus five stars. He's not a five star, but I mean, he's he's Texas for a reason. Texas Tech doesn't have a player like that on their roster, supposedly. Yeah, I just thought that you know it was a great drive at the end of the game to tie it up, but Texas should have never been in that position against Texas Tech. So maybe Texas Tech is much improved, but I don't know if we'll see next week. We'll get a firsthand look at Texas next week. Well, you know, Texas Tech has our number, so. Yeah. It, <laughs> <laughs> Shit, we can't beat them for nothing. Yeah. So, all right. So, West Virginia 
at Texas next week, 7.30 start time. We have to go into Austin at night. Our, listen, our scheduling has been terrible. I mean, I don't know who keeps doing this to us, but, um, you know, we've had three night games on the road now. So, it, this mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, tough road to hoe for West Virginia head down to Austin next week. So I'm, I'm hoping that uh, they do the same thing next year for, for us. You know, put those teams, you know, and I think we're, it depends on our quarterback. But um, going, to, going into that game, I'm – I'm I'm liking how we're playing, and it just depends on who we who shows up as far as defensive wise how how we play. I I mean I, I look at it, it it depends on Ewers because I like Ewers a lot more than I like Card. If Ewers plays, Texas is a much better team. I'm not going to take that from them, but right. uh, I do like how WVU played against Virginia Tech. They're playing better going into that game. Uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see. I think I mean I'll take Texas. I guess, but I think it'll be an extremely close game. I like West Virginia next week um, in a close one. I don't think yours is going to be back. I think they just dressed him last week. And if he is back with a shoulder, was it a shoulder? Shoulder. Yeah, I mean, you're t- that's that gives you problems, and we'll, we'll see what happens. But I like West Virginia next week, and, and here's why. West Virginia has a, had a lot of success in Austin. We've had a lot of – of all the teams in the Big 12, uh, we've had the best competition with Texas of all the teams – and I just think West Virginia right now is going to be riding high. Defense played well. We didn't even talk about the defense earlier in the show, but the defensive line played well. Uh, Jordan Jefferson last week, I mean, we were worried about Akeem Mesador. Right. This kid stepped right in. Did you guys see the play where he took the offensive line from Tech and literally grabbed him and threw him out of the way to make a tackle? I saw it. I didn't see it, no. Yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty impressive. So, I like West Virginia next week in a close one. Um, Texas, of course, at night, tough place to play. But we've done it before. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. I mean, not with you guys, not not with this guy. I'm pointing to my left where Derek Bailey sits. Uh, he is actually 3-1 and one right now. Me and Anthony are, are tied 2-2. Two and two. I'm giving you guys a chance. Well, I'm taking it. Um, I'm going to go with the dub, as I always do. Um, I'm a homer, but – I think we have a really good chance of beating them because we West Virginia has we have some type of rivalry with Texas and it is always horns down with them um uh, with us so I'm going with WVU um it, it, like like Anthony said in the close one but I mean we we are going to score 30 we we have to score 30 to to compete with those with the schools in the Big 12 so I'm going to say I said 38 it's going to be 34 34 30 uh, West Virginia. I think it, I have Texas the same type score. Thirty. It'll be like 34-30, 34-31. It'll be a t- it'll be a tight game. It'll be a very close game. Can go either way, obviously. All right. Well, hopefully the Mountaineers can pull it out in Austin. It's probably our last trip down to Texas into Austin at least. Absolutely. Uh, obviously, they're headed to the Big Twelve or to the SEC. So I want to take this opportunity to say thank you guys for listening to the down or listening to the Touchdown City Show. And want to remind you to follow, subscribe, and review us on all of your favorite podcast platforms. And, of course, we appreciate uh, you swinging by touchdowncity.com and checking out any of the merchandise. So, for Michael Sussman, Derek Bailey, and Avon Coburn, I'm Anthony Lewis. We'll, We'll see you next week. To hear more of the Touchdown City Show, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or Spotify. The Touchdown City Show is produced by Anthony Lewis in partnership with HD Media, the Charleston Gazette Mail. Get your Touchdown City podcast merchandise by visiting touchdowncity.com.